1: Critical race theory and diversity, inclusion and equity dictated that President Joe Biden go to unreasonable and dangerous lengths to win the release of Brittany Griner. She's black and gay. Her membership in the LGBTQ BLM alphabet mafia makes her more valuable to the Biden administration than Marine Paul Whelan and schoolteacher Mark Fogle, who are white men incarcerated in Russia. Whelan and Fogle actually contribute more to American society than a weed-smoking basketball player who promotes anti-American sentiment. Whelan and Fogle should have been our priority. But that's not how America works in the era of CRT and D.I.E. Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, Happy Thursday to you and yours. Happy day before Friday. We have a fantastic, awesome show planned for you today. It is jam-packed. Royce White will be here. Shamika Michelle will be here. Steve Kim will be here. Dave Shannon and Pastor Anthony all here today. So we have a lot of work to do, a lot to unpack. And so let's get right to it, and by getting right to it, let me tell you about my good friends at Good Ranchers. However you received a counterfeit gift, I have one. One Christmas, I got this really nice watch as a gift, and I wore it thinking it was legitimate, only to have one of my friends tell me it looked like a counterfeit. I had it checked out, and it was indeed fake. The watch was a huge lie. Just like this story, (laughs) no one gave me a counterfeit watch. They know I could spot it. Uh, But anyway, you don't need to be stuck buying counterfeit meat this year, which is why you should buy from good ranchers instead. With the majority of online meat companies and grocery stores selling imported, low quality counterfeit meat this year, you can't give a gift of trashy meat when you can give great meat from Good Ranchers. Good Ranchers is the sure way to give 100% American USDA prime and upper choice cuts of beef, chicken and seafood. Plus, you can give the gift of a subscription and lock in someone's price for the entire year. I don't know about you, but an inflation proof meat budget beats a new pair of socks For me, and just about anybody I know, we're all gonna eat, why not eat Good Ranchers? GoodRanchers.com and use my promo code FEARLESS at checkout for a $35 off your delicious gift of meat. If you know someone that likes meat, like most Americans, then you know someone who will love Good Ranchers. Head on over to GoodRanchers.com and find the perfect box in the curated selection of America's best meat and seafood. Give the best meat in America, support local U.S. farms, support a sponsor who supports our point of view, and get $35 off with my code, FEARLESS, today. Avoid counterfeit meat this Christmas with Good Ranchers. American meat delivered taking care of my friends at Good Ranchers, let me take care of you uh, with a fire starter uh, about what's going on with Brittany Griner. The Bay of Big proves that critical race theory and diversity, inclusion, and equity harm America and its cities, its citizens. Uh, The Bay of Big is my nickname for the lopsided trade the Biden administration executed for the release of WNBA player, Brittany Incarcerated Griner. Held for nine months and sentenced to nine years in a Russian prison for smuggling a small amount of hashish oil, President Biden surrendered notorious Russian arms dealer Victor Boot for Griner's freedom. Wow, called the merchant of death an American jury convicted Boot of conspiring to kill American citizens and providing aid to terrorist organizations. He spent a decade locked inside a U.S. penitentiary before being sprung on Thursday in exchange for Brittany Griner. The merchant of death for a WNBA player might be the worst trade in the history of American sports. It certainly rivals the incredible bounty of draft picks the Vikings gave the Cowboys for Herschel Walker and the $125,000 the Yankees gave in exchange for Red Sox Babe Ruth. Stick a little deeper though and turn a bit more serious. In 2015, Griner pled guilty to domestic violence against her partner and WNBA peer Glory Johnson. In 2020, in reaction to the death of St. George Floyd, Griner pledged to never again stand for the national anthem and said the song had no place in American sports. Brittany Greiner is not an American patriot. She's an entitled, spoiled athlete who is comfortable flouting the law. So <clears throat> why did her release from a Russian pris- prison take precedence over US Marine Paul Whelan or teacher Mark Fogle? Russia accuses Whelan of being a spy Fogel received a 14-year sentence in Russia for bringing a half ounce of medical marijuana into the country. Fogel, who is 60 years old, was arrested in 2021. But Griner jumped to the head of the line because the Biden administration and corporate media are driven by critical race theory and diversity, inclusion, and equity. CRT and D.I.E. dictated that Biden go to unreasonable and dangerous lengths to win the release of Griner. She's black and gay. Now, she's no more valuable to American freedom and safety than Whelan or Vogel, who are white men. Whelan and Vogel, a Marine and a teacher, actually contribute more to American society than a weed-smoking basketball player who promotes anti-American sentiment. Whelan and Vogel should be the priority. But absolutely no one cares about Mark Vogel He can rot in a Russian prison for the next 13 years and will draw little attention or sympathy. The Griner trade will force the Biden administration to cut an even worse trade deal for Whelan. The wheels are in motion for that as you listen to me talk. Brittany Griner's wife talked about supporting Whelan. Leftists are publicly feigning support for Whelan now that Griner is home. Dallas Cowboys linebacker Mark, Micah Parsons, arguably the best player in football, tweeted sincere outrage over Whelan not being part of the Grinder deal. His handlers quickly made him backtrack and apologize. Let's listen to this tweet. Just spoke to some people that I respect and trust. I should have been more educated on the topic and not tweeted out of emotion for my family and others who have served. For that, I apologize. Also, if what I'm told about the attempts to bring a retired Marine Paul Whelan home are true, then the best outcome was accomplished. I pray Mr. Whelan comes home, but I'm extremely happy for Brittany and her family. I am not too prideful to admit when I've made a mistake. This is the LGBTQ BLM Alphabet Mafia flexing its political might. Are Americans stronger and safer when our leaders make decisions based on sexuality and skin color? No, we're weaker. Russian leader Vladimir Putin used our commitment to racial and sexual idolatry to fleece us in a trade. There are rumors that Putin targeted Greiner for arrest because he recognized the Biden administration would be forced to bow to pressure from the Alphabet Mafia. On Thursday, Biden warned American citizens traveling abroad to take extra precaution to follow all the laws of foreign countries. He knows that the Bay of Big has made all Americans more vulnerable abroad. Simple-minded race idolaters will not recognize the damage done by the Bay of Big. The damage doesn't matter to them. They only care about the racial retribution. Wheelan and Vogel are so-called privileged white men. Brittany Griner is allegedly owed this privilege. It's payback for George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, or some other dead black person the Alphabet Mafia has adopted for political power. CRT and D.I.E. have weakened our educational system, our work environments, movies, and television. We should not be surprised Foreign policy is next on the hit list. That's my fire. I am not pleased uh, about what we've just done to secure the release of Brittany Griner. That will not make me popular. Everybody is going on TV and everybody's going on Twitter and say, oh, well, you got to be happy. They brought her home. Uh, This is awesome. Everybody's playing their proper role. I'm not going to do that. This is wrong. This damages America. This weakens America. This makes us look foolish. I get that, America, that Russia's laws on drugs are draconian and way too punitive. But Brittany Griner took that risk. She violated their laws, and we shouldn't have bent over backwards and sent an arms dealer nicknamed the merchant of death for the release of a basketball player who has done everything in her power, everything in her power to diminish America and portray America as unfair and racist and beneath her. That's who jumps to the front of the line ahead of a Marine and a school teacher and we give up? a known terrorist for a basketball player, all because of the alphabet mafia and diversity, equity, and inclusion, and critical race theory? This mindset that we've adopted is destroying your workplace. You know it, I know it. Everybody listening to it knows it. Our work environments, are now all about uh, political maneuvers and, and, and playing some little quota system game. It's not about who's best for the job. They've destroyed movies and television. They're not putting out TV shows or movies to please an audience. They're trying to meet some quota. They're pushing that feminist agenda in everything. That's why Queen Latifah at 220 pounds and 50 years old is jumping off balconies and beating up men. And we're supposed to believe this and think this is good quality TV. Our educational system, we keep lowering standards, lower and lower and lower and keep, oh, if you speak proper English, that's white supremacy. If you know two plus two is four, that's white supremacy. Math is racist. Grammar is racist. History, it all has to be rewritten to fit some standard that, what's her, Hannah Nicole Jones or Hannah Jones Nicole or whatever her name is, some redheaded. African American with some agenda and some hang ups from being African American, she gets to rewrite history to fit her narrative. All of critical race theory, diversity, inclusion, that mindset is being used against us. Vladimir Putin just played us like a fiddle because we don't have the proper mindset for a nation that wants to be ruler and uh, and king of the world. We're off on some BS, and he just exploited it. They're saying he targeted Brittany Griner because he was smart enough to realize, well, in America, snatch up one of these high-profile alphabet mafia people, and America will bend over backwards and cough up the merchant of death for a tatted up, hostile to America, basketball player that no one watches or really even cares about. I know I'm not supposed to say this. I know we're all supposed to play the game and oh, God, thank God, Brittany's home and we needed to do this, and whatever price we had to pay to get Britney, and they bowed, the Biden administration bowed to all those people. Oh, if it was LeBron James, she would have already been home. Oh, it's it's sexism. Oh, it's, if it was a white guy, she would have already been home. So people are upset with me over Twitter or saying to me, well. Did you see what Paul Whelan, his brother David Whelan said? He supported uh, bringing Britney home and this is the right thing to do. Of course he does, of course he would. We just overpaid for Brittany. You know what the Whelan family said? Well, if they paid this much for Britney, if they're willing to give up this, they'll make a bad deal to bring our son home, our brother home. The Whelan family should be excited that the Biden administration just cut a ridiculously bad deal to bring home a basketball player that no one watches. Because now they can stand on their platform and say, my son was a Marine. He actually contributed to American society. What price are you willing to pay to bring him home? This is all orchestrated. And I, you know, I saw this morning. Don Staley and Becky Ham and people on ESPN (sighs) playing the game and acting like they're concerned about Paul. These people don't care about Paul Whelan. They think the same thing about Paul Whelan that they think about the Mark Vogel guy. Again, they don't care about Mark Vogel or Paul Whelan. They just wanted Britney home. They just wanted to flex their alphabet mafia strength and they did it. Britney's home. America's better now. Everybody feels safe. Trans lives matter. LGBTQ lives matter. Queer lives matter. So we just had to give up an arms dealer to prove that queer lives matter. And if we take this obsession with sexuality off the table i don't need to know who britney grinder's banging no one cares no one should care about any of our private lives we should just do what's best for america all of us and we're now all less safe traveling abroad and everybody russia china everybody's laughing at America. We're a clown show. No one respects us, nor should they. We're a clown show. We're not making decisions in the best interest of our country. We're making decisions in the best interest of whatever special interest group is whining and crying the loudest. We're a joke, you already know it. Uh, Let me tell you about my good friends at Policy Genius, another sponsor we're glad to partner with. We all hope we never need life insurance, but mortgage payments, childcare, and other expenses don't disappear when you're gone. Since life insurance typically gets more expensive as we age, now it's the time to buy. Policy Genius was built to modernize the life insurance industry. Their technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from top companies like AIG and Prudential in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find the life insurance policies that start at just $17 per month for $500,000 worth of coverage. And Policy Genius has licensed agents who can help you find options that offer coverage in as little as a week and avoid unnecessary medical exams. There are no added fees and your personal info is private. Your loved ones deserve a financial safety net. You deserve a smarter way to find and buy it. Head to policygenius.com slash fearless or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com dot com slash fearless. You can email me and us fearlessblaze show at gmail dot com. Stick around. I just We're going to get deep, heavy, I with uh, just Morpheus, once white.
0: I
2: just
1: All right, welcome back uh, time to get a little deeper with uh, Royce white uh, Royce uh, welcome to back to the show I'm I'm not uh, I'm not pleased uh, with this merchant of death trade for uh, Brittany Griner I, I think we got fleeced in this deal I think we look weak in this deal but maybe I'm wrong, that's why you're here to tell me that perhaps I should be celebrating like everyone else and this is a glorious day in Brittany Griner's home and now America's, you know, and WNBA ratings are going to soar. Uh, maybe I'm missing something here. Your thoughts on uh, the Brittany Griner trade?
0: It's an interesting one. I mean, it's one that's been talked about since the Bernie Griner situation kind of, you know, materialized, and 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 uh, this this deal was initially put on the table that was sort of leaked out to the media. Um, I, I think let let's start here. Let let's do a little history because I think our audience appreciates the history. Let let's talk about this war in general because we are at war with this country, and and we have to understand we're at war first and foremost. All of our other opinions and, and viewpoints uh, about what our government should or shouldn't be doing comes from us not truly understanding that we are at a, in a war. And it's a war that has been going on since after World War II. And, and it's funny that we, we circle back to World War II, like we did last, last week. After, the, after World War II and, and the Nazis were defeated, in addition to Operation Paperclip, where we brought German scientists into our military and government, we also allowed a number of Nazi militias' cells to exist in Eastern Europe, in the Eastern Bloc. Now, the number one place where that took Happened. The Number one area where that took place was the Ukraine. Uh, so the the knots and we used them for counterintelligence against the Russians, right? And the start of the Cold War. The Cold War never stopped. We're st- we we've always been fighting a Cold War. It never ended. Uh, they they like to believe that it ended when the Soviet Union fell, but obviously that isn't the case. And now we have a proxy war going on there with with uh, you know between with Russia and, and the Ukraine. And and I say this in relation to Bernie Griner because. From day one, it was clear to me that Russia would use Britney as a political chip uh, in this war. And we are in a war. And, you know, she did the crime. She should have to do time for her crimes or she should be, you know, brought to, to, to justice for her, for her crimes. But let's be realistic about what we're, what we're dealing with here. There is no rule of law in Russia. There is no law and order in Russia. We're fooling ourselves here in America if we think that the way Britney Griner was treated has anything to do with their adherence to the law. There is no law. The mob runs the country. We're dealing with the KGB and the Russian mob. Okay, these people have no affinity for law and uh, rule of law for the most part. It's a pay to play uh, autocratic uh, corrupt government. And and it's not much different than our own government. It's just that they're a little more overt about it. <laughs> you know, our our government functions in the same way. We just have this thin veil of, of rule of law. Right. But but ultimately, it's still a pay to play corrupt government here. Uh, but what I don't like or what I don't like to see is people, uh, you know, try and. Let's say defend the rule of law in a country where where the entire rule of law is is kind of a frugazi in the most general sense. So I think our government went to war with Russia through Ukraine and they knew it was coming and they built it up. And what they should have done, what real leadership would look like, we're not letting our citizens go to Russia. You want to exercise your freedom of movement and your ability to go from one country to another with your passport and be employed or whatever the case may be. You can do that. You're not going to Russia. Why? Because we know we're going to war with Russia. You may not know it, but we know it. They didn't do that. They let their citizens go to Russia. So when your citizens go to a country that you're about to go to war with, sometimes they become political chips. And so we allowed that to happen. So it's right that we reconciled that. And we have to take that L on the chin. We had to give them an arms dealer in a in a geopolitical sense, in a military sense, and in a sense of the war that we're currently in. It's not a fair trade, but it's a mistake that we made, which is one of many mistakes we've made throughout this Biden administration and, and, and uh, former administrations as well.
1: What do you think? Should we not... Be trying to get. And I like your point. But what do you say to Paul Whelan, Mark Fogle? What, what do you say to those guys? And, and, and I to me, I, I think Putin recognized like, now let me get someone from this alphabet mafia group. That's what America values right now. And so and that's what America will overpay for. And and now I think we're in a position where we'll probably have to overpay for Paul Whelan as well. We're getting played like a fiddle, in my view, uh, Royce.
0: Well, I think the I think the primary concern and this is a telltale sign of what we're dealing with here. It troubles me that our young American that our children here in America are being taught LGBTQ philosophy before first principles or real history uh, around conflicts like this, let's say. Not not summative history, but real history. Um, so th- that is a sign of the times. And, and I do think that we uh, are going to have to overpay. And I do think that it is a priority that we bring home Wheeling and all the other prisoners of war. Um, we're just dealing with an administration and it's not just the Biden administration. It's the entire Western globalist establishment. We are dealing with people and leaders who don't care about Whelan or anybody else. They don't necessarily even care about Brittany Griner. They're just receiving pressure, social pressure, from a demographic and voting block that they need here in America. And like we saw in the Herschel Walker runoff, it comes down to 50,000 votes. So we may not view the LGBTQ issue as connected from all the way from Russia to our political uh, elections and results here in America. But the people who run this country and run this world know that it's consequential. We are behind the eight ball. Us at home, we we sort of look at it like, well, what connection could Britney Griner have to a runoff in Georgia? Uh, I'd say about 50,000 votes worth. (laughs) So, you know, uh, and, and my point is, yes. They are bending Whoa, to wait, a, Hold on for a second.
1: I, I, I don't want to run past the point you're making because that's really powerful and interesting. And, and, and particularly when you start talking about Georgia and then that big major city they have called Atlanta and who, re, who runs Atlanta, it don't get no more alphabet mafia than the ATL. Uh, and so I, I think you make an incredible point in terms of... When you're trying to manipulate a voting margin, if you can lock in black women and make them, you know, 95, 98 percent slaves to your party and then lock in 70, 65. I don't know what percent of the alphabet mafia vote. That's a big deal.
0: It's it's the election. I mean, it, it, it can give you a Senate majority. And and make no mistake about it, the president of the United States doesn't run this country. The United States Congress doesn't run this country. A hundred U.S. senators run this country. That's just the reality. Now there's executive powers that can be used, and and the president has certain uh, uh, you know commander in chief powers militarily. But a hundred U.S. senators run this country. Okay, and they just won a majority, in and in a from a black community uh, that is. Hugely LGBTQ. I mean, openly and culturally, that's not even that's not a hidden demographic or metric. I mean, Atlanta is the the sine qua non of, of Black LGBTQ uh, Hollywood lifestyle. So, uh, you know, we we have we still in the Black community specifically, but I think even more broadly in the conservative movement or just in the common American citizens' mind, have not yet realized and admitted or acknowledged or identified how the global affects the local. We didn't bring Brittany Griner home because we care about Brittany Griner. They didn't bring Brittany Griner. They didn't go and do this deal because they care about Brittany Griner. They did it because they need to save face with with a voter base. And in that is why you see that they had no problem, you know, they have no problem leaving Wheeling and and those guys behind. You know, that's that's not a part of the priority. Um, And, you know, it's just weak leadership. But again, that's a separate issue from whether or not we should have done a deal to bring Britney home. Because ultimately, what I'm talking about is how the American people perceive the way the deal was done. We should look at it as though we we were forced to give up something and a very bad deal for us because our government had a premeditated war that they wanted to start and didn't alert the American citizens that under no circumstances should they go to this country. Not only not only should they have warned them, they shouldn't have allowed them to go. They should never allowed Brittany Griner to go to Russia.
1: Man, Royce, this is good. You're giving me a lot to think about. Well, I'm not done yet, but I'm just, you've blown my mind here giving me a different... Uh, uh, and I want to connect Micah Parsons to this. I don't know if you saw what happened to him. He tweeted out his... Outrage, like, what do you mean we left Paul Whelan at home? It sounds like Micah has some family that, uh, in the military. And he just tweeted out his natural reaction and called BS on, uh, he deleted this tweet. He called BS on, uh, Joe Biden and said that, you know, we still ain't voting for you. And it speaks to, there are black men and again, he had to walk this back, his handlers got a hold of him, and said, Oh my God, I'm sure CAA or whoever reps him off the field told him hey, you can't do that. It looks like you Trump support you, you support Trump. But, but 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 what I think it's another indication of is that uh, black men are starting to wake up and disconnect and starting to see what you're talking about, that the Democratic Party's real allegiance is to black female feminists and the alphabet mafia, period, end of story. Nothing that Raphael Warnock or any of the black Democrats, it has nothing to do with black men. And and when I saw Micah Parsons uh, tweet out what he did, it was like, oh, man, there's another brother that's waking up. I, I think it's significant, even though he's had to walk it back.
0: Uh, I I don't think he should have walked it back. But, hey, I mean, that's the industry that they that he lives in. And a lot of athletes do the same thing. Um, This this republic will not be saved. We cannot save this republic unless black men in America have the courage to stand up and separate themselves from black women politically. This country won't survive. I mean, that's just the reality. Because the black woman has been used time and time again to negotiate the allegiance and the and the uh, the fealty of the black vote. And and, you know, Raphael Warnock. And it's not even like they're telling a good story. You know, that's what troubles me. It's, it's a sign of our own lack of willingness or, you know, uh, pride taking ourselves seriously as black men. That's what disappoints me because they're not even they're not even coming up with elaborate lies. The lies are obvious. Raphael Warnock is a communist. It's, it's, it's clear. He's a communist. He talks about coming up from public housing on The View. You know, Joy Behar and Whoopi Goldberg, another nexus of the black bourgeoisie elite and the anti-Jews. Uh, he talks about coming from public housing. But he serves a party that wants to expand public housing to the global scale. That's not a, that's not a win. That's not a success. The, the, the success would be to re-empower the American citizen economically to be able to have access to the game, not through becoming a war to the welfare state, but by having ownership and equity. They don't believe in ownership and equity. They believe in state ownership. Raphael Warnock is a communist and we voted for him. We did that. Black people just gave the United States Senate majority to a bunch of communists. And, and black men, hopefully, are starting to wake up to this and will eventually change their voting habits. That could actually save this republic. When you say disconnect
1: from the black woman politically, yeah. th- that, that seems to have um, some social ramifications as well. Because it, it seems hard right now for people of different political views to get along with each other socially in personal relationships. And so that, that, that seems like a price that's too high for many black men because uh, it, it, it sounds like, well, I won't be having access to the intimacy that I'm
0: used to. Okay. Uh, (laughs) You're a cuck anyway. Let's just be real. You know, when you pull the scope back far enough so you can see the whole picture, this is for black men out there. uh, Whether your wife is going down the street and having sex with a white man, you know, or in some cases the, the cuck archetype is that you're you know watching you like to watch uh, whether that's happening in the physical or your black woman is going down the street to have sex with the white establishment it's the same motif the white government the white establishment a white higher power authority elite run you you are a slave to it we have a cuck issue in the black within black men in this country so your woman doesn't want to be with you because you believe in American, uh, the, the American citizenship, ownership, equity. You don't want to be on, on the welfare. You don't want to be a, a, a ward of the welfare state. You don't want to send your tax money to the Ukraine. You don't want to you don't want to get the false catharsis of thinking that you're saving Africa, you know, through UNICEF or some other donation uh, NGO that, that your woman. If your woman doesn't want to be with you because of those things, you should leave her. Real simple, real simple deal, Lever. Royce, you've done it again.
1: I I, I got to say, I wasn't expecting this. I thought you'd be a little bit down from your last appearance, uh, but you, you've done it again. You've given me a lot to think about. We We may have to circle back to this again tomorrow. Uh, when I have uh, some more time to marinate on this tonight, I want to circle back. But uh, thank you, uh, great job as always. Uh, maybe some of you guys have been having the same struggle I have been having with shoulder pain, my left shoulder pain from sleeping. It, it, it's, it's really been bothering me. Uh, let's say you've tried everything, from stacking pillows to new sleeping positions, but nothing's helped. What if I told you, that I found something that looks like and feels like a solution, it's called MedCline. MedCline therapeutic sleep systems help those that struggle with getting a good night's sleep. So whether you suffer from shoulder pain, nighttime acid reflux, and GERD, or both, the MedCline patented pillow system is your solution. It is designed to, custom, to cushion your body in a sleeping position that is supremely comfortable, doctor recommended and clinically proven to provide effective natural acid reflux or shoulder pain relief and a better night's sleep. In fact, 95% of patients reported an overall improvement in sleep quality when using MedCline. MedCline sleep systems are not simple foam wedges. They are true medical devices, FDA registered, Doctor recommended and clinically proven to provide relief. The patented arm pocket allows for comfortable side sleeping the entire night. You're enveloped in a side sleeping comfort. Their medical grade, gel infused foam is built to last and provides cooling comfort and an exceptional night's sleep for anyone using it. Plus, Medcline comes with a 60 night sleep guarantee. Put an end to your nighttime discomfort, and you can rediscover a good night's sleep with MedCline. Now get 20% off when you go to MedCline.com fearless. Get 20% off and a better night's sleep today at MedCline.com fearless. Today, get 20% off at MedCline.com fearless. Guys, this is a 60-day free guarantee. If it doesn't help you. In those 60 days, send it back, get your money back. I'm on day one. Just took mine home yesterday. I got 59 more days. I can't wait. I've been having problems with my left shoulder when I sleep on my side and all that. Last night was my first night. I'm gonna, we're gonna go through this process together. We have 60 days. If it doesn't work, we can send it back and get our money back medcline.com slash fearless. Let's improve our health. And look, if you got that, I don't have the acid reflux problem, thank God. But that works incredible for this. The, the, the guy that came up with this was having the acid reflux problem himself. He was taking uh, this over-the-counter medicine and, and which would give you long-term damage. He came up with his own solution and then perfected this. This is... Medically proven, studied stuff that will help you with acid reflux, help you with shoulder pain. I'm on day one. Join me on this journey. All right, uh, get your Fearless Army swag at shopblazemedia.com. Uh, Shamika Michelle, we're going to talk about uh, the female angle to Britney Griner with Shamika and some other stuff as it relates to Brittany Griner with Shamika Michelle. Welcome back. Let's roll out to North Carolina, bring in Shamika Michelle. Shamika, I want to play you a couple of clips, sound bites, Uh, President Biden talking about uh, his deal to bring home uh, Brittany Griner, and then uh, Brittany Griner's wife, uh, Sherelle, her speech. Uh, Let's play those back to back and then we'll get some thoughts from Shamika.
3: After months of being unjustly detained in Russia, held under intolerable circumstances. Brittany will soon be back in the arms of her loved ones, and, uh, and she should have been there all along. This is a day we've worked toward for a long time. We never stopped pushing for her release. It took painstaking and intense negotiations, and I want to thank all the hardworking public servants across my administration who worked tirelessly to secure her release. I also want to thank the UAE for helping us facilitate Brittany's return. that's where she landed these past few months have been hell for Brittany and for charlie and uh and her entire family and all her teammates back home people all across the country have learned about britney's story advocated for her release stood with her through throughout this terrible ordeal and i know that support meant a lot to her family i'm glad to be able to say that britney's in good spirits she uh she's relieved to finally be heading home And the fact remains that she's lost months of her life, experienced the needless trauma, and she deserves space, privacy, and time with her loved ones to recover and heal from her time being wrongfully detained.
4: So over the last nine months, y'all have been um, so privy to one of the darkest moments of my life. And so today I'm just standing here um, overwhelmed with emotions, but the most important emotion that I have right now is just sincere gratitude. um, Um, Today, my family is whole, but as you all are aware, there are so many other families who are not whole, and so BG's not here to say this, but I will gladly speak on her behalf and say that BG and I will remain committed to the work of getting every American home, including Paul, whose family is in our hearts today as we celebrate BG being home. We do understand that there are still people out here who are enduring what I endured the last nine months of missing tremendously their loved ones so thank you everybody for your support um and today it's just a happy day for me and my family so um i'm gonna smile right now <laughs> um thank you
1: love how she pretending to be concerned about paul wheelan this is all orchestrated but it, your your initial thoughts
5: Well, Jason, I have to say, going back to your monologue, I think you made a little mistake when you said we don't care who Brittany Griner is banging, I don't know if you can actually call it banging. It's more like a rubbing when it's two women, like a, <laughs> more like a canoodling of sorts. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think this is a joke. You know, um, I'm I'm not sure Brittany is actually a man. I mean, a woman. But since she plays one on TV, I'm going to give the female perspective to hear this lady sit up here and. Say, you know, uh, my family is now whole. You know, this is portraying the whole black women don't need a man, in my opinion. And I just feel like this is so much more than. A a woman coming home I think this is Joe Biden Playing into the whole Do it for the culture thing As he always does It has to be a black woman Or it has to be a black lesbian And we're completely fine With just overlooking black men As we have for a very long time So of course Human to human Jason I am happy that she's no longer In the predicament that she's in But I just think this was a bad trade I wonder how it puts us in a a position when we travel abroad now. Of course, they wouldn't want me because, hey, they know I'm a straight Black woman that advocates for Black men, so Russia wouldn't want me, and they know America wouldn't want me back. Some people would say, you're also not a popular celebrity, but neither is Brittany Griner. You know, I I thought this was (laughs) a bad take, you know, just an unfair trade. And I'm sick of us as Black people settling, you know, for propping up people that don't represent us well. Not only is this a lesbian relationship, her man is not coming home. Her esteemed protector and provider of the family is not coming home. This is her girlfriend, her lesbian relationship, and okay, good, she's coming home, but stop propping that up as if that's ideal, and that's what we should be trying to aspire to. Um I'm sick of this whole matriarchal thing and the way we just esteem black women as if black women can do no wrong. This is what you should should strive to be. These are the best people in, in that's um in the race. It's just I'm tired of it and I don't I don't appreciate it at all.
1: I wanna play you some clips from ESPN. Don Staley, the head coach at South Carolina, the woman that accused all of BYU of being racist. Uh, she was on ESPN, and so was Becky Hammond, who's a WNBA coach, was an NBA assistant. They were both on ESPN. Let's take a listen to what uh, Don Staley and Becky Hammond had to say.
2: Honestly, I cried. I cried, and I, I'm a girl from Philly. We don't cry very easily, but I <laughs> cried because this is the moment that we've all been praying for for BG, and I'm just, I'm just happy. Like God is real. Almost. Like. And I'm a. I don't want to say this, but I ha- it's almost death-like, like because she's she's going through things that's unimaginable. Like I, I, the moment that she got arrested, I started looking up, and this was back in March, February, penal colony, a Russian penal colony, and then I'm like, like no, like this this can't be happening. And then that is the thing that really drives you every day uh, to put this pen on, to put it. Put a, put a post up on social media to drive you every day to bring her home, to pray for her mental health, to pray for her family, to pray that no one's ever put in this situation before. And here's the, here's the thing when you're dealing with somebody like Putin, he's not playing by anybody's rules. Right. He got his own set of rules. Yeah. And so when you have somebody our side playing by a set of rules, mm-hmm. and then somebody who plays by no rules, uh, it's hard to get the deals done. Um, because yeah. you don't know what they're capable. Of. I mean, he just invaded, you Ukraine. know, a whole country. Of course. Uh, he does not and care. the terror and he the monstrosity that's taken place right. there. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, you can become
4: a political pawn like this. Yes. And she did. Yeah, and that's she did. A, that's all yeah. this
2: was. Yeah, yeah. was a, a political move by him. He, he snatched the 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 most highest profile person mm-hmm. that he could over there. Yeah, she, she did a spot over there, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, and it was just it was it was heartbreaking.
1: So that was first view. I mean, a uh, first take. I'm sorry, I would, not first view. Uh, Becky Hammond, WNBA coach, Don Staley, college basketball coach. Uh, and, and Don Staley, I, <clears throat> I, I don't know her walk or her faith, but you know, I'm very suspicious when I hear people that never talk about God. You know, the only time they can talk about it is when. Uh, one of their LGBTQ Alphabet Mafia sisters come home.
5: Yeah, that's what stood out (laughs) for me, Jason. Uh, It took you having a lesbian to come home from Russia to realize God is real, That kind of is what solidified it for you. That sounds crazy to me. And for Becky with the good hair, talking about this whole trade and how Biden had to negotiate with Putin, this was a terrible negotiation. And Biden sucks at it. I bet he's never ever said, let me just put the tip in. His negotiation (laughs) skills stink. (laughs) Period.
1: (laughs) Oh, Shamika, I've missed you. The audience has missed you. Uh, it was good to see you. I love your hair today. I think that's the first time I've seen it like that on this show. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, you look great. Thank you so much. Uh, we got to keep it moving. Go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Hit notifications, hit subscribe. If you're listening on Apple, I need that five star review. Right now, give me the five star review. Punch that and leave a message, leave a note. I need that right now. Uh, Steve Kim. I, be,
2: I just, want, I, be, I, just want, I want I just
6: I just All right, welcome back.
1: Let's roll out to Los Angeles. Bring in the Korean Co. Cell, Steve Kim. Continue our Bay of Big conversation. Steve, for, I, I do, and, and don't play nice with me, but. I'm very. I'm known for uh, good nicknames for events and things like. I I love this Bay of Big uh, that I've come up with, Brittany Griner. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down.
6: Uh, thumbs up. Uh, I think JFK in the sky upstairs is probably approving that one. I still <laughs> think your all time best was this is years ago. It was that one game where it looked like Peyton Manning and the Broncos had come to an end. I think they got beat by the Colts. And It was right around the time of the decline of Kobe Bryant, and you said, "Is Peyton Manning?" The White Mamba. That might be my personal favorite, (laughs) given the fact that at that point I still gave a damn about the Lakers. So that one's going to be tough to match, but that one still gets carved out, maybe on the Mount Rushmore.
1: (laughs) Is Peyton Manning the White Mamba? I I remember this morning I could think of my favorite one, and now I can't think of it because I'm old and stupid. I want to move on to Micah Parsons. I want your thoughts on Micah Parsons. Mm. He ripped Biden and then got the blowback or got the call from his agent, and then he apologized and walked it all back. I still respect Micah for even putting it out there in the first place. Uh, I I, want to salute him and say, nice job. He's getting crushed over social media. They're calling him Pass Rush Limbaugh and Maga Parsons. Anyway, uh, your thoughts on Micah Parsons jumping out here and and justifiably, in my opinion, criticizing the Biden administration for overpaying for Brittany Griner.
6: Yeah. What's that old phrase? What you say what's on your mind in the beginning is what you really believe initially. Right. Uh, There's no taking it back at that point. And by the way, Mike, I hope you don't delete it because that thing has been screenshotted a million times. Okay. Uh, The issue is, look, yeah. Give him credit for blitzing like Lawrence Taylor. Uh, Now he's backpedaling like Everson Walls. Okay. And (laughs) (laughs) I had to go to the cowboy reference, all-time great cowboy cornerback there. It's really sad that nowadays you can't even express your opinion, and you really can't express it um, as a celebrity or a well-known athlete, and especially, and let's just be blunt, if you are a black athlete, you're expected to be in lockstep. And once he was quote-unquote off-code, uh, they got him back in line very, very quickly. Look, my, my view is this. I know people that are very good friends of mine. They are celebrating the return of Britney Griner, which is fine. We can agree to disagree. I won't think any differently of you. But what I will never do is when I put up an opinion uh, on anything, and if you have a vehement disagreement, I'm just going to ask you one word or one question, one phrase. Yeah. And because here's the issue. And I get this. I am not changing your mind and you're never changing mine. His
1: agents, though, I'm sure, called him and said, hey, man, this could cost you money. Brands won't want to be associated with you. You you criticized President Biden. It looks like you potentially may have voted for Donald Trump. Again, it's a price black people have to pay there are certain things we are not allowed to think and we're certainly not allowed to express and he just crossed that line and it's it's really a chilling sad message that this guy in something where biden clearly screwed up clearly screwed he's not allowed to express that he he, now I, i will give him credit though he did He wouldn't buy He said, hey, I'm not a Trump supporter, but I don't like Biden either. I give him credit. He stood his ground there. Hmm. Hmm.
6: He stood his ground as much as he could. Um, And this is a lesson that I I would impart to a lot of athletes who can't take the heat, because most of them can't, because as you pointed out, Jason, from the time that they're eight or nine, if they exhibit any athletic ability or proclivity to play a certain sport at a high level that can then be monetized and professionalized, they're coddled. And they're not used to having serious debate or pushback on anything they say. And so by the time you ask them to do something of this ilk at age 21, 22, I think it's too late. They're they're already conditioned to have everyone agree with them, and they cannot take the heat. My advice would be, and, and this may seem uh, something uh, of capitulation, is don't say anything sometimes. If you can't take the heat and the blowback from saying that's not in lockstep with the mainstream, just stay quiet. Because I'll because i say this, as much as I respect Micah Parsons for at least initially expressing that viewpoint, I don't know. I don't respect him really for backtracking the way he did either. And I have no hatred toward Micah Parsons. I think he's a really good football player. I guess he's a good individual. There's been no real issues since he became a Dallas Cowboy. But there comes a point in time where we have to really be able to express ourselves, but then also ex- have the expectation that those who have a platform, whether you agree or disagree with their statements, to at least stand by your words and show some guts. This is similar to what happened to Nick
1: Bosa. Didn't he tweet out something, or there was something in his tweet history that indicated he liked Donald Trump, didn't like Beyonce's music, and remember Deadspin or someone went after him. And so it does happen to white guys too, Athletes or whatever, there's like certain opinions athletes aren't allowed to have. They can, you better keep that inside the locker room. Don't express it publicly. And and there's like social media is in charge of maintaining this cult-like environment among athletes that they all think and say the same things. Let me move on to narrow this down to a little bit more to Brittany Griner, and and what. Coming home and having gone through this ordeal, she's now far more well-known than she's ever been at any point in her life. People know who she is. They know her by name. Obviously, you'd know her by sight because there's very few six-eight women uh, on, on the planet. Do you think she's now a more interesting basketball player who will draw television ratings next summer when the WNBA returns?
6: Oh, absolutely, for one game. And then we'll go back to not caring about the WNBA. (laughs) Let me give me a break. I mean, seriously, look, who's going to – look, the thing is, her first game or five might be interesting, and there'll be a group of virtue signaling fans that have never cared about the WNBA, that have never went to a WNBA game, they're going to make up their signs. We are BG and welcome back and all that other stuff. And they'll do it for social media clout. Like, hey, this is an in thing. She is now part of the uh, the philosophy of grievance industry. She's going to cash in on it. And there, there will be a group of people that may go to a game where they play the L.A. Sparks here at the whatever it was called the Staples Center at one point. But then by about the 10th game, we'll find something else because it's still WNBA basketball. Uh, no one will really care about it. Um, I, I just think it's interesting that we're almost treating this like the modern day version of the 19 the, the Iranian hostage situation, which launched, uh, I think it was Nightline. It was worth, it reminded me of something when, um, when they came back. It was right before the Super Bowl and the Eagles played the Raiders in <coughs> January of 1981. One of the funniest lines ever regarding that. So all the hostages get released. It's just joyous day to kind of end the Jimmy Carter presidency. And Bowie Kuhn, the president or the commissioner of Major League Baseball stated, you know what, those people, I'm giving every one of those people season tickets of their choice to whatever their favorite baseball team is. And Beano Cook, the irascible, legendary college football analyst said, oh God, haven't those people suffered enough? So think about (laughs) it. It's bad enough that we had to care that we're all BG. That was the hashtag, right? We're all BG. Now you're going to expect us to actually watch a WNBA game? Pass, hard pass for me here, Whitlock. <laughs> I, I gotta
1: say, this is poorly timed because what the, potentially what could happen, she's getting out in December, everybody's mm-hmm. gonna do all these Christmas stories on her, she'll be on all the shows, she'll be on The View, she'll be on First View with Stephen A. Smith, she, she'll, she'll do all the rounds of interviews. Now, and by the time the summer gets here, all the shine and all the interest, yeah. I think, is going to be gone, because and again, they're going to dress up this story. I mean, the hell we're about to hear that she went through over in Russia. You know, the night she had to take on sixteen members of a Russian mafia and she fought them all off. And you know, they'll they're going to try to turn her into the female rock and and <laughs> but. I just think it's poorly timed. They should have let her sit over there for another six, seven months, and bring her out a month before the NBA season, and then there would actually be interest in the games. And I do think the interest in her game will last about through the first quarter of a WNBA yeah. game, uh, because once everybody like, oh yeah, they'll just get a reminder. This is why I don't watch the WNBA, and they're going to tune out. It's you just know the not hypocrisy that
6: interesting. Of this whole movement of we are BG a couple things when people say wrongfully detained that is simply factually incorrect she was not wrongfully detained she broke a law okay now you could say that was she punished for essentially jaywalking and given the death sentence we can argue that she was not wrongfully detained the other other thing that's interesting is that i i guess women players are still going to russia to make a living on the side worth the solidarity if it was that oppressive and and if that regime, are you sure about w- that? That's it. I, I I I've heard that women are still going over there to play basketball, right? I mean, I so I saw some video. Of people said they're still going over there to play ball, and I'm like, really? I guess they're not all BG, but I, <laughs> this this whole and the other thing is the framing that discussion. We talked about this in the past. That she only hold made on. A I'm ball. just look. I'm looking at a New
1: York Times story from September. Despite war and Griner's arrest, American men hoop in Russia. Wow. Hmm. That's American hmm. men. I see.
6: Hmm. Right. I, I mean, this, the whole notion that somehow she had to take up a second job, Jason, the the WNBA season is not really all that long in comparison to the men's league, the one people care about. And I think her salary was right around a quarter of a million dollars, right? The average, American salary is right around $46 to $48,000. Where's the oppression in that? I I never understood that. She chose to play there. She knew the rules. She broke them. We can argue and we reason that her punishment was punitive. But to 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 beg and ask people, American people for sympathy, uh, when she was anti-American, that was never gonna play. Never. I'm looking
1: at a, a USA Today story in September. Despite Brittany Griner's imprisonment, these Americans still plan to play basketball in Russia. WNBA star Brittany Griner is in Russian jail, yet her story isn't keeping dozens of American players from planning to play in Russia. Experts say these players risk the fate of Griner, well, not if they don't smoke weed. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, you're right, I I did not realize that. Uh, Steve, I want to uh, tap into your sports knowledge. You are uh, the resident sports expert and historian on this show, and so I wanna compare this Brittany Griner trade for the merchant of death, Victor Boot, uh, to some of the worst trades in sports history. Wanna know where you think it ranks. And so I came up with a top five list of of worst trades in American sports history. I want your reaction to each, what you remember about each. Uh, we'll start with the first and probably the most obvious, Herschel Walker. Mm. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys in 1989 traded, for, traded Walker to the Minnesota Vikings as part of a three-team deal that included uh, the San Diego Chargers. Uh, Dallas utilized a plethora of drafts, maneuvering to eventually draft Emmett Smith, Russell Maryland, Kevin Smith, and Darren Woodson. All of them contributed to the three Super Bowl titles during the same time frame. The Vikings didn't win a playoff game, and Walker played uh, three seasons for the Vikings. Uh, your thoughts? Uh, this is a lot of people consider this the worst trade in sports history, but maybe this Grinders rivals that.
6: Uh, well, first of all, in terms of the Griner trade, I think America collectively feels like now the Denver Broncos with Russell Wilson. But anyway, but to that trade, the interesting thing about what Jimmy did was he actually said, or has said that he knew early on that with that roster of Danny White, Ed Tuttle Jones and Randy White, he said, you know, what, I could have squeezed out five wins, but he said, you know what, let's just completely cut bait and be as bad as possible. And he recognized early on, we're not going to win a lot of games with Herschel keep this in mind. The year before, Herschel actually led the league, I believe, in yards from scrimmage. He was a highly productive, all-pro level guy. They went 3-13. and And that's the greatness of Jimmy S. Johnson, four-star general of the gridiron. Uh, I've, I've never been quite the same since he left Miami, and that's why. And here's an interesting stat, uh, Jason. In that period of time, when he built that from 1-15 to a Super Bowl team that went back-to-back, Do you know that they made 51 trades, the Cowboys? The whole league didn't have that many trades combined. Jimmy was an absolute master of trading up and down based on value. In fact, he created a draft chart where the number one pick at X amount of points, number two. So he understood the point value of where you are drafting and the value of a player. Now, contrast to what the Rams did, my Rams, when they traded Eric Dickerson. It was a similar trade in 1987. The difference is the Rams did not have a Jimmy Johnson drafting form. They had a bunch of cheapskates that wanted to, like, do it the easy way. And I'll never forget when I knew this trade was not going to work out. That was a 3 team trade with the Colts, Rams, and the Bills. The great Cornelius Bennett had been drafted by Indianapolis. The Rams could have had him, but because old Georgia wanted to go cheap, instead of pairing up with Kevin Green... He went to Buffalo where he went to Super Bowl. So it's not just about the trade because then the pressure comes, Jason. You got to make those draft choices pay off.
1: Number two on my list, uh, the curse of the great Bambino, Boston Red Sox traded the rights for Babe Ruth to New York to the Yankees for $125,000 or something like that. Uh, the deal of the Yankees <laughs> winning seven AL pennants in four World Series. Uh, the Red Sox won the 1918 World Series and next won a World Series in 2004. I think this trade, I had it written down earlier, I think this happened in 1920. Uh, so, anyway,
6: and Jason your thoughts are, it-
1: I know you remember the Bambino trade.
6: The Bambino. Yeah, great player. He could pitch. He could be your ace. He was the original uh, Otani, right? So here's the thing. I think that trade was uh, made because of the owner had some debt on some play or an opera. So he needed some money. And he's like, who do we have here that's worth anything? Like, hey, George Herman Ruth. There you go. Look, a th- th- lot of people still have this as number one because you're talking about the most dominant baseball player before the color line was broken. This guy was the best pitcher and he literally out home run the league by himself. So you are talking about a Cy Young level pitcher and Barry Bonds on Balco. And, and he was really the guy when they call Yankee stadium, the house that Babe Ruth built. I mean, that that's true. And I don't think the Red Sox won a world series till 2004. So, yeah, and by the way, Jace, I'm just telling you, a lot of people have that as the most lopsided trade in the history of sports.
1: Here's a trade that people don't talk about, but, you know, someone like me uh, would know. Lou Brock. I don't know if you remember this yep. in 1964. Yeah. Cubs looking to enhance their pitching staff acquired pitcher Ernie Broglio. From the Cardinals in a six-player deal. Yeah, among the players the Cardinals acquired was uh, outfielder Lou Brock. Brock immediately became a difference maker as a key component of the Cardinals' '64 World Series team. Uh, in total, Brock played. Uh, Brock played on three Cardinals teams that reached the World Series, winning two. Uh, Brock concluded his career as a MLB all-time stolen base leader, a member of the 3,000-hit club, and six-time All-Star. Uh, the pitcher uh, made it just three seasons for the Cubs with a Mm-mm-mm. 7-19 and record. Do you remember this Lou Brock trade?
6: Well, I, me- I wasn't exactly alive, but I remember reading about it. <laughs> but th- this is why the Cardinals won World Series, and this is why the Cubs were the Cubs. Mm. Uh,
1: now I want to move on to my favorite trades and trades that off the radar for a lot of people, but on this show, we cover it all, and, and we know sports better than everyone else. But, Steve, I don't know if anybody will ever forget the trade O.J. Simpson made, uh, swapping Marguerite Simpson for Nicole Brown Simpson. Uh, this trade actually was rumored in 1977 when O.J. first met Nicole uh, wasn't finalized until 1979 when O.J. divorced Marguerite. Uh, I think O.J. spotted Nicole's talent when she was just 18 in 1977. Uh, O.J. Uh, had, I think, three kids with Marguerite, two kids with uh, Nicole. Uh, O.J. and Nicole, uh, I think, split in 1992, and then O.J. Uh, finalized the divorce in 1994.
6: I'm just gonna say this, because that's that that boy, I can't believe you went there. Um OJ went black and then never went back. I'll just leave it at that. There was a pattern with him. There was a pattern. <laughs> I think he
1: regrets this trade, though. I think he would have been happier had he stayed with Marguerite. I think he would have had a more productive life. And then finally, in in what I believe potentially is the most significant and most fascinating, and maybe uh, the worst trade in, in, in sports history, uh, I believe it was 2015 when this trade went down. A lot of people talk about it but really don't understand it. But when Bruce Drenner traded himself for Caitlyn Jenner in 2015, I mean, <laughs> when an Olympic decathlete gold medalist trades in all of that to be Caitlyn jenner that may be the worst trade in the history of sports
6: oh god okay so he went from wheaties to <laughs> she t's I, I just i don't even know what to say about that one <laughs> didn't he win an award though then the sb yeah say, the a- yeah he won the sb oh yeah. he won a gold yeah. medal and an espy and I, I i would like to ask him or her, I don't know what the pronoun is, which one is higher on the trophy case, which one do you really think? But Jason, here's here's some other bad trades. You know what trades never work out? I have Uh, some other trades, and I want to make a point. When it comes to the NBA, if you look at Will Chamberlain, Kareem, and Shaq, when a dominant NBA player is traded for a pack, and Charles Barkley, when he went to the Sixers, to the Suns, it's amazing though, in the NBA, how one player can actually lift tilt the field for one team you could trade for five starters and draft choices but if you have that dominant nba player like i mentioned that one player always outweighs the group i I find that fascinating that and i know it's only five players but sometimes there's some good players involved in these trades like i remember the lakers when they finally cut bait with Shaq. you still got lamar odom karan butler And I'm thinking, okay, those are good guys. And only Lamar Odom really played a role when they ended up winning a title a few years later. Also, talk about bad trades. I used to be a Padre fan. In the early 90s, when I still cared about them in baseball, they had a lineup of the great Tony Gwynn, God rest his soul, the crime dog, Fred McGriff. And congratulations on him finally making the Hall of Fame. Long overdue. And Gary Sheffield, one of the quickest right-handed bats I ever saw. I really thought, Jason... This is going to be the foundation. We're going to win a World Series sometime in the 90s. And all of a sudden, the fire sale began. And if you look back at the trades of Fred McGriff and Gary Sheffield, we got a lot of flotsam and jetsam. They didn't do a damn thing in San Diego. So those are some bad trades that linger in my mind. Not quite as bad as Marguerite for Nicole, though. I can't believe you went. there. God, dog. Wow you went you didn't just go there you went all the way there jeez
1: (laughs) (laughs) thank you great job we'll see you tomorrow Uh, go to blazetv.com slash fearless use the promo code fearless and you can save $10 on your yearly subscription Dave Shannon Pastor Anthony Tennessee Harmony Thanks Welcome back. Uh, We're going to switch up, play a little, uh, play a little, talk a little Tennessee Harmony. Uh, Pastor Anthony is here with us, Uh, Dave Shannon uh, will join us via Skype. Uh, Pastor Anthony, if you could bless our conversation, we'll get rolling.
7: Father God, we're thankful for this day and all of your many blessings. We're thankful for your grace and your mercy. Bless us in our discussion today as we reflect on your word and your way. We're thankful in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Uh, so yesterday uh, we aired the interview I did with uh, some former NFL players, uh, Robert Mathis, Kabir Baja Biamila, David Daniel Meir, and T.J. Clemens. four Robert Mathis, borderline Hall of Famer, uh, you know, six Pro Bowls, uh, Defensive Player of the Year, Finished second in Defense Player of the Year. Won a Super Bowl with the Colts. Uh, KGB, second all-time, I think, in sacks for the Green Bay Packers. He's in their ring of honor. Uh, Daniel Meir and TJ Clemens had nice five, six-year careers in the NFL. Uh, They're all a part of the Straightway Truth Ministries. We had these guys on yesterday. Straightway Truth Ministries is an Israelite uh, religion, for lack of a better description. They're different than the very angry, anti-white, anti-Jewish, black Hebrew Israelites, and Robert Mathis reached out to me. You guys saw the interview yesterday, Uh, and so I had uh, Pastor Anthony and Dave Shannon uh, watch the interview uh, to give a review one of the interview and uh, to give a more biblically sound uh, Christian perspective on the interview and what Pastor Charles Dow, who was a part of the interview with the football players, he he leads Straightway Ministries. I had Dave and Anthony uh, watch the interviews, and so uh, initially, I want you all, and we'll start with you, Pastor Anthony, just your general thoughts about what they expressed uh, during the interview yesterday.
7: I, watching that, I could see, you know, knowing or learning you more and more. Uh, I could see why you liked what you saw. Um, I I could see they were much more palatable in their approach, not as harsh as you pointed out. Um, I I still see some exegetical, some doctrinal issues, how they're interpreting scripture, how they're handling it. Are the words and the passages that they're pulling out, are they in the Bible? Yes. But the context and how they apply it, uh, I see some issues there. They're passionate about what they believe. They're committed, I mean, to the nth degree. Even, like he says, he kept saying, you know, living from among them. They've pulled out and made their own community. So they're passionate about it. Um, And and these guys that are a part of the ministry, the the guys that you pulled in, uh, former NFL players, they're just as passionate, even to the point of, you know, walking away or, or allowing their wives to walk away or however that kind of took place. And and they recommitted or even doubled down on, okay, well, I, that means I'm completely sold on this ministry. So, I see that, but I also still see some some issues.
8: Dave, what do you think? Man, I had so many thoughts, Jason. Um, the first one that rushed to my mind uh, was actually, I feel in a lot of ways, I understand them in a very unique way because I came kind of from the kind of churches they come from. So, the first thing that filled me was sympathy. Um, I know what these men are trying to do. They are seeking to be masculine and men of the word of God and biblical. And they have this cognitive dissonance with this church that they're in that isn't showing forth the biblical foundations that isn't showing the masculinity that's there, that isn't being that kind of beacon. And so they're reading the word of God and they're seeing this contradiction in the churches that they're in and they're trying. Trying to find where in the world does what I read and what I see, where do these two marry at? And I understand that because I was in that same sort of situation before. And so when you have someone who can show you where your masculinity fits in and isn't being pushed out of the environment that you're in and shows you. How to be a man and how to use these masculine tools and not just hear about them in stories from the Bible, but apply them to the world you live in. It is very attractive on the other side when you can see something like that come through. And so I felt in a lot of ways, you know, the typical evangelical church has failed their man in ways that they have no idea about. And because of that, we've left the back door open for other things to rescue them or to show them how the world really is supposed to operate. If there's one place you should be able to come and see how the world is supposed to operate, it is in the church. And when you see the inconsistencies, it will it leaves the back door open like in the Garden of Eden for the serpent to come in and tell you things in your ear. It seems <laughs> more appealing than what you actually see in real life. And, and that was really what I took away from that is, man, we gotta do a better job of pointing to the realities of the world for our men, so that they have something to latch onto in, this, in reality.
1: Dave, you've hammered my point and my thoughts as I was listening to them during the interview and talking to them privately. Uh, beforehand and afterwards. And I'm going to, I I like those guys because I like anybody that is sincere. I can respect anybody that is sincere and and anybody that's interested in learning, and I truly believe they are. And so I'm hoping they're gonna watch this segment uh, today and I'm gonna continue a, a conversation with them and and I'll, I'll probably go visit Straightway Ministries in Lafayette uh, because I, I believe, and some people don't like get me or this show. I've heard people have emailed me so oh, "I can't believe you had those guys on." And I'm like, "Well, hold on. I'm a journalist, and I'm not afraid of anybody's version of the truth because I have a source that I can go check it out with called the Bible." called people that are mentoring me, Anthony, Virgil, Dave Shannon, TJ Moe. I, I, so I feel very confident in engaging with, discussing anything with anybody, because again, the name of this show is Fearless. And so Dave, the points you hammered <clears throat> for me that, that, that I just heard and felt in my conversation with them, football players, are highly attracted to masculinity. And being a former college football player and and being raised by Jimmy Whitlock, I look out at the world, and, and I'm just mesmerized about how feminine our culture has become overall in America, but in black culture even more acutely. And so that thirst for masculine patriarchal energy has always been with me. Again, that's why when I was in college, I used to go watch Farrakhan on Savior's Day and get his tapes. Never agreed with their religion, but that masculine energy and call for male responsibility always very attractive to me. So there's that there. Then when you're a football player, uh, you're attracted to racial harmony because that's in a successful football locker room and so they want to see a church that looks like the locker room and not these segregated racial idolatry churches we have black and white going on and so they can look at straightway and what he's got going on and be like everybody's welcome here everybody comes here it, it, it's it looks like to me what a church is supposed to look like so that's attractive to them. and then the third thing that, that i have to admit and will we'll ask you guys about is, is being professional football players, I don't want to speculate about any of these guys, but just being an athlete, having been in that world, from high school to college to pros, these guys were probably all oversexed sexed and, and probably promiscuous. I don't, None of them told me that. I'm just telling you what I know from my life experience. And so the whole polygamy aspect is probably attractive to these guys. These guys talking about concubines and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. And so that's probably another part of what's attracting them. But I want to start with both of you guys responding. I asked Pastor Dow about the polygamy aspect flat out. He gave his answer. I wanted you all's reaction to it. Let's play the clip. Do y'all believe in polygamy?
0: I do. But it's not polygamy. It's called polygyny. The world does polygamy. Um, a lot of people, they, um, they I don't, I don't. I, the Bible doesn't speak about a man and a woman and a man or man and man or woman and woman. Uh, it does speak clearly that Abraham, the father of the faith, uh, he had wives and concubines. Um, Jacob had four wives out of which come the 12 tribes of Israel. Moses, the custodian of the law had three wives. Um, David, the King of Israel had 18 between wives and concubines because we all know about Solomon. Um, and, but it's, it's not, it's, it actually has laws written in the Torah, written in the law of YAH that actually, um, regulates and Sanctions a man having more than one wife if he
1: chooses to. So I believe Pastor Dow has three wives. Your, is there any scripture? It sounds like they're living in the Old Testament, and and have you know we 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 ain't gonna worry about the New Testament. That's what it sounds like. But
7: based on what uh, the show did yesterday, I, I would determine that they are. He does quote a lot of the whole Bible. He did mention that he quoted yesterday a lot of New Testament, and he did. But you can also hear that they lean very heavily in Torah and lean very heavily in the Old Testament. Were there gentlemen in the Old Testament that had multiple wives? Yes, and almost just the majority of them that multiple wives led into some things that took them from God. And, and, you know, he just glossed over Solomon. I mean, Solomon had a thousand women in his house between wives and concubines. But the other part of the story with Solomon and all of these wives were if you were to go back and visit uh, the palace, you would see altars all over the place to all these other gods. They eventually took him from that. Uh, When we look in the New Testament to uh, one of the prominent leaders in the church, as Paul talks about elders, he describes them as a one woman kind of man, husband of one wife, one woman kind of man. This is God's design. God allowed some things to take place in the Old Testament. Uh, He winked at their ignorance, as he says in Acts chapter 17, but calls us to repentance. So his design, he didn't make Adam and take both of his ribs and say, hey, let me make him two or three. No, his design showed us what his, his idea was. And even as we look into the New Testament, Jesus had one wife. So, I mean, he talks about following Jesus. So I think that that does feed into some of the desire that you talk about. Surely a, a man's some men in their fantasy would man, I'd love to have more than one. And, and all the benefits that may come from that. Um, but from a biblical design, I, I don't see that play out.
8: Dave,
1: your reaction.
8: Yeah. You know, man, Pastor Anthony, you hit it dead on. I think that you got to pay attention to the beginning, particularly when God saw that it was not good for man to be alone. He didn't craft for him more than one wife. He thought that all that Adam needed, the wisdom that he needed to have was in Eve that one woman, and not only that, We, when you look at polygamy, the first time you start seeing it, you see it come from the line of Cain, Limech, right? He's the one who had the first person to have two wives, and it was a form of rebellion against the natural order. It was sinful. And and so, and then if you keep reading on, you see that then there's this another child that's born, Seth, that comes in, that is a line of promise. And it says right after Seth, and they begin to call on the name of the Lord again, making a clear distinction between the two lines of Cain and Seth. One's a righteous line, one isn't. And it just so happens that in the line of Cain, there is polygamy? That's not an accident. And just to back up what Pastor Walker said, when you look at the body of Christ, it is one body made up of many people, but one body. That is the bride of Christ. Christ has one bride, not multiple. And we are to model that. And if you are an elder, Paul talks about the New Testament. If anything else, let's say that you have polygamy everywhere else. There's just one place. There's no polygamy whatsoever as an elder. If, if you could argue from anywhere else in the Bible, 1 Timothy chapter 2, that's what Paul says. Let him be without reproach, without reproach, husband of one wife. So you, it's, you know, you're really having to manipulate and to uh, eisegete the text and w- without reading it properly in the context to get there, to polygamy.
1: I th- KGB, I think, yeah, Kabir uh, Bajabiamila made a comment about an argument he was having with his wife that he ends up, she ended up leaving with his seven kids. And I think he said it started when he told her she wasn't made in God's image,
7: Anthony, I, I wanted your reaction to that. My reaction was going to be, how? What? What was the? I would. I wish I could have been here to follow that. Like, what is he suggesting that women are made from? What image are they made from? I know he's probably following the lineage that yes, Adam is made in God's image, and then God takes and makes, takes a rib from Adam and makes woman, but is he delineating Adam specifically, that only men are made in the God, in God's image, or is he suggesting mankind is made in God's image? If he's saying mankind is, then that includes women. But it seemed that he was arguing from the perspective that men specifically are made in the image of God, but then what would that mean for women? That would have been one I would have asked. Like. What do you believe? Men and women. Mankind is made in the image of God. And what, what do you back that up
1: with scripturally?
7: Genesis. How God makes man. The word that he uses for man is sometimes specific and sometimes general. And so mankind is made in the image of God. Women have the capacity. Men have the capacity. We are made in the image of God. But if he's using this as a specific, and that's one of the things that I notice in how they are exegeting the text, uh, doing the autopsy on the text, sometimes, or most times rather, they're taking it all literal. So if it says this, it is literal to the degree that we determine versus contextually. Some things are metaphors, some things are general. So we ought to look at the context. But if he's taking that to mean literally, specifically only men, are made in the image of God, the question that I would ask is, well, where are we saying that women, what are they, are they some foreign being?
1: So, I'm gonna ask both of you this, but I'm gonna start with you, Dave. The, the other thing that lands with me, and what I like about these guys, is the whole Acts Church vision. And, and so, and th- where I disagree with them one is because I have that same mentality. I, I look at the world, this morning or last night I was looking and saw that some gas station in Philadelphia uh, has hired mercenaries armed with AR-15s or whatever to protect a gas station. They got people just, merc- not police officers, just people with gu- because this gas station in North Philly has been robbed so much, there's been so much violence and, and, and it speaks to me, it's just like, how chaotic our world has gotten. And I could imagine a family member, or myself, living in that neighborhood, and I'm going to a gas station, and there's guys walking around with AR-15s and, and whatever just out in it. And, and I'm like, we've lost total control of, of society. Mm. And, and that, that's why when these guys say, you know what, I'm moving on up and out of here, I'm getting away from this madness, I get where they're coming from. And when, and when the pastor of Dallas said, look, man, I'm not putting my kids through this. There's a lot of things going on out in the world. And so I, I relate to that vision. I just see it differently than them. That's why when Anthony and I, you and I went down to Dallas mm-hmm. and I saw what Tony Evans is doing, I was like, that's what I believe. That's why I want to plant a church in a city, and and have it be the hub for life and an a, a oasis in the middle of all this chaos. But I can't really knock these guys for saying, I'm going to do it out here in the wilderness, do it out here in Nashville. They're saying, or in some other city, they're saying, probably won't work, you're surrounded by too much chaos, we got to isolate ourselves. Dave, living out in Idaho that's, a bit more wilderness compared to Nashville. uh, (laughs) What do do you think of that and their whole vision of like, we're trying to execute an axe church. are, Are they perhaps biblically sound there?
8: Yeah, no, and and here's the thing. There is, it is incumbent upon Christians, you, you know, we're facing a culture war. There's no question about that. And it's really hard to fight a culture war without a culture. And if you don't have a culture, you can't fight it. And so I really, again, I understand. This is why I'm so sympathetic, because I understand what it's like to be around a community and a culture where everything is out of order. The kids aren't obeying the parents. There aren't any men in positions of authority. And then when you see that, you're like, wow, these are all the things that I want. And so Look, when I came out to Moscow, I saw a thriving community of Christians who were in fellowship with each other, who were asking for forgiveness, who are being sanctified through the word every Sunday morning, who are living in community. And all this was done in the X model without creating a kitty or some sort of mu- buying a whole bunch of property for us to go live on a compound together. All that is being done apart from that. You know, we still have all things in common. We share the same theology. We share the same worldview. We share the same goals and focus to build the culture, community, and kingdom of God. And we do that um, without creating this communistic commune, right? Um, and so, and I again, I appreciate and see what they're trying to do, but it's misguided. One of the things you got to remember what's happening in Acts, there's a couple things going on. The reason that these people have all things in common, the reason they're selling their things and bringing their money together is that they have to escape out of a coming judgment, okay? (laughs) God has told them, Jesus told them when you see a certain type of judgment, you need to be in the place so that you can flee to the mountains, so that you don't suffer the type of judgment that's going to come on this city because they rejected me. So part of what's going on in Acts is that reality so they're sharing things and getting things tight so that when it's time to move and get out the city, because Of the judgment that's coming, they can do that and without having all those um, ties and things connected to them. The other thing is, Jason.
1: I I, I hold on, Dave. I think they would say, "I bet you pass." They're nodding their head right now, like, "Yeah, America's under judgment, (laughs) and we're running out to the hills because it won't be long." Y'all sitting around in these major cities arguing about uh, other twenty different genders. Y'all got drag queens up in your schools. Uh, judgment's coming, cause now, cause this is something that I yeah. feel every day. The reason why I come in here and do this show and have turned my life upside down and left Hollywood is like, excuse my language. I was like, this shit is crazy, and judgment yeah. is coming. And I feel like having been a participant in this craziness, like I'm going to pay a price. That's why I sit on this show and call myself out and repent every chance I get. Because I feel like we are under judgment and I'm going to be burned at the stake if I don't do all I can to get away from this judgment that's on the way. We're already living in in the judgment. We can't trust our young people. We're afraid of them. Mm. Mm. Again, we can sit up here and talk all this stuff about the police. I know who we're afraid of because I live in reality. And it's our own kids that are unfathered. We've abandoned our kids. We have no family structure. We can't fix this without a family structure. We're under judgment. And I and so I, I think those guys are like, yeah, I'm so, running out to the they hills.
7: They may they may have the they may have the idea of Acts chapter two, uh, when the church starts, but when we listen to the mandate of Christ and, and the mandate of God going back to the beginning. He wanted dominion. He wants all of this world to be in subjection to his will, all of the world to be under this kingdom agenda. So the mandate of Christ is, okay, I need you to spread this gospel all over the world. But what the church early church did is they got in this same kind of community mode and they just spread it all over Jerusalem. So we read in Acts chapter eight, that persecution, God allowed persecution to happen, and that persecution scattered everybody. That was God's will. I want it all over. You guys got comfortable in this, but I want it all over. So where I see the, the desire for them to want to escape from some of the culture of the world and the influences of the world, we have a mandate to impose god's agenda on the world so we're on offense we're we're not retreating we're, we're taking offense and the gates of hell shall not prevail against us so so we need to be moving forward i, I hear and understand why i'm just looking back to the word
8: okay. Yeah, i just want to say too yeah i just want to say too that that these are two different kinds of judgments and what's happening to uh, rome at the time and in the israelites <clears throat> it's with the rejection of christ in a particular type of way and so they are going to be destroyed there's a new age that's beginning and so there is a different type of judgment that they're under than the one that we're under so i just want to make that very clear our and our our call isn't to go to the mountains for this our call is to go into all the nations, <laughs> all the world, and proclaim the gospel. Theirs was different. Theirs was to flee to the mountains. Ours is to take the message and then to go into the nations and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that all men would repent and believe. So there's a different type of setup here. Not all judgments are the same. And and by the way, we're not we're not having. So what I want to say is we're not having the same type of judgment as those people at that time that Paul was talking to. The kind of judgment that we're under, <clears throat> Jason, is. We're already under, we're we're losing our natural desires that we should have as a father and as a mother and as parents and as men. We've lost the natural order. That is something that repentance can get back. The kind of judgment that was coming from there because they had rejected Christ, there was no stopping that one. We are in the place that if we would do simple things for the next 20 years, all of our inner cities would be completely different. And it's really simple, Jason, get married, have kids, teach them to fear and honor God and honor the Lord, teach them to love and obey their parents and educate our kids apart from the government system. And every city in America from one generation doing that over 20, 25 years would be completely different in the next 25, 30 years. It's, that's a really different situation than the situation that was going on in Acts. And, those very, and this is why this is the last thing I want to say about this particular part. Exegesis, understanding the context, understanding the point so that you can apply the scriptures properly and glean from them the general equity of the point and intent is super important as we read the scriptures. Because sometimes there are things said to people that are not directly said to us that we can glean wisdom from, but they don't directly apply the same way. And that's where you start mixing things together and you get some serious bad juju in your exegesis, right? You just...
7: Just start messing stuff up. Yeah. Let me let me let me just re- real quickly, with what uh, Dave is saying here, and even what I recognize, a part of the the way that I listened to these guys, they kept talking against Christianity and against some of these churches, and I was looking at it, and I'm just thinking, like, man, have these guys visited or experienced a good church when we listened to and when we went to visit? Uh, Dr. Tony Evans, and you know within that community, some of the political leaders come to him for advice. They look at the community where the church is in and are, are trying to learn to see, man, what do we need to replicate from what they're doing in this community? Because whatever laws and initiatives we've tried, that's the kind of impact the church has to have. He's not retreating He's expanding. Uh, I have to share with you a minister friend of mine. He's in a city, kind of a small city as well. They planted a church there, and the church and the community grew to such a, 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 a way that the mayor meets regularly with this minister about issues of the community because the church has that much influence in the community. Business owners, educators, and the like, because of the impact that the church is feeling. So that's where I'm saying, man, I, I wish that these guys had gotten to visit a church that's actually doing these things so that they don't feel the desire to let me just pull out and, and
8: it, the, fi- just do to- I, I I got time for a final thought. Go ahead, Dave. I just want to say this real quick to Pastor Anthony, we are the kind of Christians that believe the gospel works, that we send missionaries over to a land where no one believes the gospel or can hardly speak the language, and we plant that missionary there for 15 to 20 years and transforms the land. So going into the nations is a huge part of this, and we, we're not retreating, we're pursuing. So I want a final thought from each
1: of you, 60 seconds, or you know try to be concise, but If you could speak to these men, if they were here with you individually, was there something that you would say directly to them? Because these guys, sincere in their beliefs in my view, uh, have made some tremendous sight of these guys, talked about losing their wives and kids, and I don't think they did it out of some malicious intent. I think they feel like they're following the path that they're supposed to. What what would you all say to them in a a, one-on-one, Hopefully they'll watch this. What would you say
7: though? I would really want to listen um, to to really see how see the point where okay I follow, I follow, I follow okay, that's where we Differ. That's where we understand, to help to see what the scriptures actually teach. So I would be listening. I'd be asking, even as you pointed to now, I'd be asking some pointed questions on, okay, how does this happen? How does this happen? How does this fit the plan? How does this fit the conclusions that are in the word, uh, especially as it relates to the law uh, and what Jesus came to do in the law? God prophesied that he's going to do a new thing, new covenant, et cetera. So I'd be listening to find out, okay, how do we get Uh, from that place to where you guys are and then using that reason with them with God's word.
8: Dave, final thought? Yeah, man, I would say, look, listen, brothers, I've been where you are. I I know exactly what you're going through and what you went through and what you're looking for. And one of the things that was hard to find was like, where is the scriptures being proclaimed in reality in real time, in real place where you see the beauty of what you're reading working itself out in society? And I'm going to tell you, The Christianity that you were introduced to, it actually has far deeper roots than what you know. And just the stuff that you were experiencing, there's much richer, better forms of Christianity that you don't have to leave it to try and find it. It's right here. And the community that you're looking for, it exists. The education, the families, all that stuff is right here inside biblical, true Christianity. And you don't have to leave, go outside to locate it. But it might be a little hard to find. And I would love the opportunity to be able to show you where that exists outside of the traditions that you were in. We just got to look a little deeper and work a little harder.
1: So and thank you, Dave. Uh, I got a final thought here that I'd like for Anthony to chime in. One of the things I said to Pastor Dow uh, during the interview was like, man, y'all love Jesus Christ, man, that, that's, we, that should be some common ground between us you know, me as a Christian, you as an Israelite, the, the love of Jesus Christ, uh, you know, th- there should be more common ground. And, and he basically and then the KGB at the end said, you all following a different God than us. He, and so I was like, well, hold on, man, we both I'm thinking in my mind, we, we both are expressing a love of Jesus Christ. That should give us a foundation to work from. Are my instincts wrong in that?
7: Well, I would put it to you like this. And that's basically what he was saying. We may be using the same term. We may be talking about the same guy, Jesus, but how we interpret what he did, the work that he did is why you are on different pages. So that's where, again, it's important for us to take out the word, to see, to listen, to find out, because if you're talking about the same Jesus that I'm talking about, he's giving you guys a different doctrine that he's given me. So we need to look at the doctrine It's not just about preaching Jesus, but it's also preaching what Jesus preached. That's a that's a part of the fullness and the comprehension of the word. I can't just stop with Jesus. And I know he says, I love Jesus and I'm in agreement with their sincerity. I'm sure they're sincere. I'm sure that they're really pursuing and trying to dig through this. So that's where, again, I want to listen and try to help. All right.
1: uh, Let's cue up some harmony and uh, we will see you tomorrow.
2: So divided, stop fighting and stand tall. We used to be a nation, one united. Now we're headed for a downfall. God let you So tell us, cause together we're so much stronger
5: The enemy won't let it get to me Open up your eyes and see